your views, your news, your Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. Now, a Limerick-based documentary maker, Peter McGarry, has produced a film on the history of fatal air crashes at Shannon Airport. It's called Cleared for Disaster, and it's looking at 1946 to 1961, and he's been telling me more about it. All of the fatal air crashes in Shannon, bar one, happened in this window, this 15-year window, which, uh, when you think about it, uh, it marked a time when uh, aviation was starting to evolve, was becoming more sophisticated. <clears throat> the modern uh, navigation and especially instrument landing systems, which, which we have today and take for granted, didn't really exist in those times. So uh, means and methods were, were, were very different. So I initially researched uh, these years, but the funny thing was that it was after the... Uh, uh, documentary went out that I realised or I was uh, advised that there was another air crash, a fatal air crash in Shannon in 1978 which just shows you the effect of doing a documentary, it's like throwing a rock into a pond, it ripples out so I was uh, made aware of the uh, digital um, uh, charter flight, that's digital equipment of uh, Galway at the time, they were a big employer in Galway so they had bases in uh, Puerto Rico and um, Boston I believe and uh, this is a flight that took off uh, took off from Shannon. It was a Gulfstream executive jet, um, made in Savannah in Georgia, by the way. And uh, it went up in a fireball at the end of the runway. Uh, killed everybody on board. And prior to making my documentary, I thought I knew it all, but it didn't. And I think that's the story of, of making a documentary. It. Uh, so how many crashes are you talking about between that period then? In, in my documentary, I'm focused on five distinct crashes, okay? Uh, starting in 1946, the first crash was a flight that was coming in from Orly, uh, a TWA flight, and uh, it was to have picked up passengers and fuel in Shannon, flown to Gander, and then Gander onto New York. So I started looking at that crash in 2008, and uh, the more I looked at it, the more interesting it became. There were uh, two uh, reasons why I focused on the first crash initially, which was my initial research in 2008, one was because the crash itself was very interesting and there was a few extremely interesting characters on board. And secondly, for a more nebulous reason, and that was that I thought in the back of my head that some point in my life I would write a historical novel, find a pivot point in history and uh, get all of the characters involved with that fulcrum, that point. And uh, I decided it was going to be that. So it is a Cold War novel. A novel of romance and a bit of disappointment as well, and a bit of tragedy. It's bittersweet. And uh, the funny thing is that uh, I took my eye off that project for many, many years. And only in the last month have I found on my storage systems at home, on my PC, the script of that novel, uh, which is now like a phoenix out of the ashes. It's risen again. I retired this year in uh, April after 20 years working in UHL in, in ophthalmology. And uh, it's a game changer for me and it allows me to get my teeth stuck into. What were the reasons for crashes back then? What kind of causes the, were we the, looking at? Mm-hmm. The, the prime reason for the crash, uh, for most of the crashes, um, were that the technology was still evolving uh, within um, aviation science. Uh, that was one reason. Um, other reasons, uh, you know, a lot of those flights were at night in poor weather conditions, poor visibility. That didn't help. Um, but it, the... the the deeper you go into these crashes, you, you realise that there are other factors coming into play. And 
only in the last week uh, I'll be looking at the final crash uh, an airline called uh, President Airlines and uh, that was in September 1961 a couple of months before I was born and This was the worst one was it? It was yeah, yeah. Um, Tell me about that one President Airways holds, or airlines, I should say, holds the the record of being the uh, the single greatest crash on Irish soil. Okay, so it was an airline that was, um, I won't say fly by night, but it was uh, kind of run on a hodgepodge basis, and um, it was not in good financial shape. They were doing uh, charters for uh, uh, U.S. military to call Mats flights, but they were also doing other ad hoc charters. And this was a flight from uh, Dusseldorf in Germany coming through Shannon, refueling Gander, New York, and onto Chicago. And most of the passengers on the flight were German farmers, believe it or not. At that point in time, it had landed in Shannon. There was a second uh, President uh, Airlines flight in Shannon, grounded, um, waiting, and an engine, right? Um, so the flight took uh, took off in, in shocking conditions, uh, weather conditions. <clears throat> They, they couldn't illuminate the runway enough. So it took off in the main jet runway at the time, which is uh, uh, runway 23. It no longer exists. It's just an apron. And uh, within 10 or 15 seconds of it lifting off, it, it banked severely to the left. So instead of heading out west, it headed south, flew across the estuary and nosedived into an area known as uh, by locals as the Silver Strand, which is near a place called Bay Castle, which is now a little restaurant. I was there a few uh, few weeks ago. Uh, so uh, eighty odd passengers were wiped out uh, immediately. Eighty. Uh, there was one survivor, and uh, I have the story confirmed from uh, people whose fathers actually picked up this uh, this uh, passenger. It was a girl, twenty six years of age, a German girl, was found um, crawling across the mud on her hands and uh, knees. They they thought she was impaled in the mud trying to get out. Wow! So when they went to lift her they discovered that her two legs were missing from the uh, the knees down. So she was taken across the river to the... There was no airport hospital. It was an infirmary, right? And uh, they worked on her there. They gave her blood transfusions, emergency surgery, but she she actually died in the table. Um, there is another quirk to this story. Now, I could speak about the other stories, but there's a, an interesting quirk to this story. There was, as I said, a second uh, President Airways flight on the ground at the time. Uh, it was a charter from Cornell University, okay, which is uh, Carl Sagan's home university. There was uh, an extremely stunning uh, stewardess on it by the name of Erica Urban. And Erica was on the Cornell flight. She got into Shannon and discovered that the other President Airways flight heading westward was getting ready to leave. She swapped positions uh, from the Cornell charter to the German agricultural charter at a moment's notice. And uh, that change, that, that fleeting change was was the uh, the end of her life. I'm a huge fan of uh, the great uh, George Harrison, the guitar player with the Beatles, and uh, he had a famous saying, and that was, uh, you know, you must remember that in the end of the day, all we are is but shadows on the wall on a on a, on a sunny day, and it was true for George Harrison. And it's just how quickly life mm. can change in a blink, and that is true of all of the crashes. And it's true of all of the things we've, you know, the big one in my life, I suppose, is the Twin Towers. Um, and so many stories like that, people who mm. were supposed to be in that day or weren't in that day or just one little decision made. Just one little decision will take you either way. It's, take uh, you either way and make a huge. Now, th- that 1961 crash you mentioned there, mm-hmm. did that pave the way for 
the safety record then to change? Was that the, the turning point or, or how did the advancements in safety? Yeah, by 1961, um, air, airlines like President, air, uh, President uh, Airlines, <clears throat> they were buying secondhand aircraft from airlines that were moving to jets, which, which were inherently more reliable. Those uh, airlines were kind of flushed out by this this, this process. Uh, airlines started to consolidate more. The safety record went up a little bit. One of the, the very interesting disasters was the KLM flight to Triton, which happened in 1954 and um, was a, a, another gruesome event uh, that, that the flight took off. Captain re-extended the undercarriage, developed drag, and it landed in the middle of the Shannon, uh, broke into three uh, passengers in the rear of their aircraft were, 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 were drowned. Others were asphyxiated by petrol fumes. Some of them made it out onto the tail. Some of them were washed off the tail. But the extraordinary thing about Shannon at the time, and it is shocking, and I'll tell you why, it's 1954, it's the Sunday of the All-Ireland Hurling Final. The plane crashed, the tower didn't realise that it crashed, with less than one mile from that airport. Uh, the navigator of the aircraft got out, swam across the river, crawled on mud into the airport. First group of people he saw were uh, Aer Lingus baggage handlers, and he said, do you not realise that we've crashed? And the boys just turned away and they just kept on smoking their cigarettes oh, or whatever. God. He had to go to the tower to say, listen, we've crashed. You need to get some boats out there. Wow. But in the meantime, people were, that's two and a half hours had lapsed. In the meantime, people were freezing to death and drowning out there. Extraordinary. So which flight did this come off? You've brought in a very yeah. old style, heavy, silver looking, very worn looking. <laughs> it is. American well, coffee pot. Myself, it's- my wife scrubbed that for the bones of three hours with, with um, metal polish. So it, it's it's far brighter than it originally was. You notice the side that's turned to you is uh, more mottled and that's the side that was lit oh, yes, by the flames. Okay, You'll have that, to explain this because yeah, this yeah. is an that, amazing piece uh, of history is 1948, I'm April 1948 and it's uh, Pan American. A flight that was coming in from London transiting to Shannon and on to New York. It was a round-the-world flight. had come through Karachi and uh, Damascus. Uh, everybody on board that flight was uh, killed bar one gentleman. His name was uh, Mark Worst and he was a Lockheed employee. He was travelling on a Lockheed aircraft, a Constellation, an L-49. And uh, it had made an approach to Shannon, aborted the approach, came around a second time. The uh, lights on the instrument uh, panel went out. They got their altitude wrong and they hit a stone wall 2,300 feet short of the main runway that they were intending to land on. So Mark was the only survivor. And the mind-blowing thing is that his wife was a nurse in Limerick. She was out at the airport to pick him up. She saw the crash happening. So she went with the rescue team across the field, mile and a half, two miles, expecting her husband to have been consumed in the the flames. And she was met by this uh, shadowy figure walking with the flames in the background. And that was her husband. That guy and his wife lived... Where I grew up, which is on the North Circular Road in uh, in Limerick, <laughs> it's an extraordinary story. But tragically, uh, they uh, um, everybody and this was else on died. That flight, is that what you're saying? It was on that and flight. How, you, how, how have I got it here in front of me now, sitting <laughs> I, on the table here? I often wonder. Uh, I, uh, I said to my wife on several occasions, "I wonder who got the last cup of coffee out of that." Yeah. Uh, the story behind that was when the documentary went out. Um, I did another radio interview, and a very very nice couple from West Clare. Uh, asked to meet me and uh, they explained that the, the gentleman's uh, father was an APO, an airport police officer who went out to the uh, the site of the crash and picked that up. But there's a, a, a more interesting story uh, really because there was uh, another flight in uh, 1960 
Uh, it was an Italian flight. It started in Naples, Rome, <coughs> Shannon. I was going transatlantic. <coughs> that was an aircraft that took off on one of the cross runways. And here's the bit that uh, Hollywood script would, uh, if you were writing for a Hollywood script, they'd turn it down because it was so, so outlandish. The flight stayed in the air for 40 seconds and it crashed on top of a graveyard. No, that's just totally implausible <laughs> as a film script. Again, it's like the, the stone in the pond and the ripples expanding. I got a phone call, a guy and his dad, they were living in um, somewhere up the Midlands, and he, and he said to me, my dad in his garage has got the wing, wingtip of that aircraft, and it was the wingtip that came down first. Wow. It was the one that impacted with the gravestones. And he said, do you want to see it? This is just amazing. Um, so that was a very interesting um, connection to make. Um, that was a particularly gruesome crash in terms of its uh, the uh, devastating effects on 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 the passengers. There was an awful lot of uh, our burn victims that that died afterwards. That was the awful story uh, of uh, when they were going through the passenger manifest. They were missing one. They were missing a child, and it went on for weeks. And they were scouring around the the fields. There was a kind of a dip. There was a low-lying field beyond the graveyard. And uh, one day, um, somebody searching found what they thought was... Um, they actually thought it was a rabbit or a hare that was burnt as a result of the crash because it was, believe it or not, dead sheep everywhere as well. Mm. So they took what they thought was the hare to uh, some sort of a forensic facility and they discovered it was the missing child had been burnt to death. It was just the oh, size, wow. size of a small ball, you know, yeah. just shriveled up. Uh, so really, when you go, when you, yeah, again, the further into the research you go, it, it's it, with the passage of time, we tend to forget these gruesome events. Yeah. But that's what they were. Well, there you have it. And his documentary is available on YouTube. It's called Cleared for Disaster. And that was Peter McGarry there. Your views, your news, your Limerick Today.